the dude and we're coming to you live from the banks of the tennessee river <laughs> that's right good wednesday afternoon everybody from the heart of freight alley what's going on my bro a little controversy after oh, our yeah. episode on uh, monday oh is that right so we were dunking on that bike with the three wheels right yeah, I don't see the point. Well, whoever made that bike didn't like that we dunked on it, so they claimed that clip. So we had to put yeah. in a new clip. So we put in this, oh, this yeah. clip of, of us riding the bicycles, and then um, my five-year-old saw that, and here's his reaction. On here, on here, this is on here. This is like. <laughs> you look good in a two-piece, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm wearing a three-piece now. I got shorts. I got four. Hey, we got a big show today. We're talking about uh, the trucker purge, right? Yeah. If you were, right. if you were a trucker and there was a purge going on, what, what laws would you break? Me? Yeah. Uh, I'd go back to logbooks for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For, yeah. Back to logbooks. Yeah, I'd be running dirty all the time. Be running dirty. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I'd get in a lot of trouble if I was a trucker during a purge. Well, anyway, yeah. today on the show, we're finding out the latest on the tragedy in San Antonio. Justin and Rooster have the latest on what's going on there. They'll join us near the end of the show. There's a ton of details that have come in since, and they involve, I mean, I think there's over, what, 51 deaths already that have been reported out of this incident. Oh, yeah. um, some of the details that have just rolled in are... Uh, are mind-blowingly horrible. They've at least they've arrested, I believe, three men so far. One of the drivers they said was high on meth. I don't know. We'll get all into it. Yeah. Later. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's not good. We'll no. find out what the hell is going on with it shipping with uh, Sal Mercagliano. Maybe we'll find out how good his sauce is too. Right. I, he keeps saying if we invite him into the studio, he's going to make us some sauce and bring it. All right. Well, he's invited. There you go. Can he do it wearing Come the on, camel? Sal. Bring Can it he down. Do it wearing the Campbell Camel mascot outfit. Maybe the head. That would be impressive. That would be that very would be impressive. impressive. That'd be cool. All right, we also are going to talk to travelers about trends that are going on insurance. Big holiday weekend going up. Thefts go way up. We'll find out from uh, Scott Cornell over there what's happening. And Rachel Premack, she's going to talk about that small trucker purge. But first, we got to tip the band. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at Tell Them, dude. Go to locomation.ai immediately after this show. All right, let's bring up Rachel Premack, Editorial Director at FreightWaves, and she looks like she's in a new location yet again. Always. Okay, this is my apartment. I'm in my apartment. Oh, well, you can't see my video. Ah, yeah, see? Bad. We'll have to take uh, your word for it. How convenient is that? Every time she's in her apartment, <laughs> we don't have a very good visual of what's going on. Uh, I swear I tried it. I made sure my Wi-Fi was working today. I don't know what's happening. I swear I'm in my apartment. You can believe me or not. <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, how is uh, how's New York and the freight world treating you this week? We're going to get into that purge and everything, but how are you doing? Wait, sorry. What did you say? How are you, Rachel, how are you doing? We're going to get into the purge and everything, but we're, we're just, how are you doing? How's the week treating you? Uh, everything's treating, everything's good. Um, apparently my Wi-Fi doesn't work, so that's too bad. Um, I even I even brushed my hair and everything before coming on, but yeah, everything's wow. going well in New York. Well, you got to right. count those small victories, but in trucking, 
There hasn't been many since the, uh, since, I don't know, maybe about February of this year. (laughs) Well, in May, you put out an article last week, and it said that in May, net carrier revocations hit a record high. Uh, According to analysis of federal data by FTR Transportation Intelligence, we have a chart. Please show that up here. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going on. You teased it last time you were on. Tell us what's going on with these net revocations of trucking authority. Right. So we saw in May, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration reported in May that there was a record number of trucking companies that saw their authorities revoked. Um, And you'll notice if you look at this chart, it's obviously much higher than all of the other months, but there's also a big yellow highlighted part. So in total, we saw 9,300 trucking authorities revoked. And 4,000 of that was because there was a a company that is supposed to uh, process this one kind of form, and that company went out of business. uh, And as a result, those 4,000 trucking companies were unable to, um, you know, keep their authorities. So um, Avery Weiss at FTR, he explained that those 4,000 could even just be taken out as sort of an aberration in the data but even if we did take out that 4,000 uh, authorities that were revoked, it's still a record number of trucking authorities going out of business in the month of May. And one quick thing to note is that this data lags by several months. So the uh, what was reported in May more accurately reflects what happened in March. So we haven't really even seen the... Um, uptick in authorities authorities revoked as a result of diesel um, diesel prices and yeah. spot rates. Uh. Yeah, so we don't know exactly how bad this thing is getting yet. So, what does this? What size does this uh, fleet does this uh, normally project? Or do we know that large? What's the, the what's the size fleet that's represented here? It's not clear, um, but we can pretty safely guess that these are mostly small fleets, fewer than ten and. More most likely, probably one person operators. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, from July 2022 now, we have another chart to go along with this one. Can you guys show that up? Almost 195 new carriers have entered the market. To put that into some context, though, what what does that mean, right? How large is that number compared to previous trucking migrations? And how does this tie into what FTR is saying? Yeah, so this is a really important one. From uh, uh, FDR told me that from July 2020 to now, almost 195,000 new carriers have entered the market. So that's a 23-month period, and uh, we've never seen more trucking companies enter a market in a 23-month period. The previous record 23-month period is 86,000 new carriers. So this is more than twice as many. Um, And that's really important because most of the carriers that have entered the market are actually just one-person trucking companies. About 70% of those almost 200,000 new companies are one person. Most of them probably don't have uh, the kind of business knowledge and experience that comes with going through boom and bust cycles over and over again. Uh, they likely bought their trucks for more expensive than they would be any other, Mm. you know, any other time. And they just don't have the same sort of cash reserves that, um, a longer lasting, larger company would have. 
Yeah, absolutely. And some of those were OOs that came out of larger fleets and just went out on their own to do things. We also have another chart here that's showing the spot rates without fuel in blue and then the retail price in green. And you can see, and actually this thing starts to split right where you see the record number of people coming out, right? Or, or OOs start to come out, uh, Be- uh, authorities. Because that wave that went upward, right? And the yeah. reason the other wave goes downward is you're pulling from the, the same tide. If you think of it sort yeah, of like the, exactly. the pull of the ocean, that's capacity right there so you bring all that capacity down goes the rates with it doesn't it rachel that's just that's the nature of freight right there right and you know in the 2019 downturn that we saw um you know rates went down diesel stayed roughly the same but this is particularly harsh on owner operators because they got really used to these incredibly inflated spot rates and they were able Mm. to make their payment on their trucks on their equipment on all these sorts of things um, and then suddenly, just earlier this year, diesel went way up, and as a result, we're really seeing a lot of small companies struggle. You know, some uh, actually, the gentleman who gave you, who you won that potato salad trophy from, he just sent me a oh, rate right? he got from TQL. Look at this, a dollar fifty-six a mile. It's uh, Richmond, Virginia, all the way to El Paso, Texas. This is a multi-day run. $1.56 a mile. And this isn't like the first that I've seen like this. We're seeing a ton of rates, and we've been seeing a ton of rates like this from a lot of our partners and, and small trucking partners, many of which you and I spend a lot of time talking to, Rachel. What have you been hearing out there from drivers, from the real physical meat bags out there hauling everything? Yeah, really, these, so that 150 a mile rate, not really anything to write home about, but all those sort of, any sort of job right now is getting fought over. Uh, you're seeing lots of demand for even low-paid low jobs, essentially. And that just shows how much uh, demand has fallen, how much rates have fallen, and how we have way too many trucking carriers right now for fewer and fewer jobs. Uh, the other side of things, we were talking about diesel earlier, you know, even as these jobs get worse and worse paid, um, the expenses for everything is continuing to go up. Equipment, insurance, fuel, of course. These are all more expensive than they were at this time last yeah, year. Yeah, we have some. Yeah. Uh, Craig Fuller broke down some variable costs the other day in uh, right. his article addressing the purge. And the variable cost for running a truck per mile in 2019 was 89 cents. In 2022, that's moved to $1.20. That's a 31-cent difference. And that's something that a lot of people have ignored when they talk about rates going down to sort of pre-pandemic levels. We're not going back in time. We don't get to actually exist in 2019 when the levels fall to 2019 levels. We still have to exist in 2022 in this economy. Isn't that right, Rachel? Yeah, it's it's really easy to say, oh, you know, know, 2022, the volumes are still pretty high compared to 2019 or or 2020. The rates are still pretty good. It's easy to say that volumes and rates and all these sort of market conditions are still strong. But the thing is that trucking companies aren't just dealing with, um, you know, spot rates and these sorts of things. They're not just dealing with their revenue, they're dealing with their expenses. So at the same time that um, maybe some rates have increased from 2019, the cost of everything else has also increased. And this is something that actually drivers have been dealing with uh, since the end of last year from, from people who I've spoken to. Um, you know, I, I spoke to a driver, I think it was November of last year even, who was saying, yeah, you know, spot rates are great. Uh, I'm getting paid more than ever, but also the price of everything has gone up at the same time. So yeah. getting 
uh, a meal from Subway, you know, the cost of tires, equipment, insurance, all these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not. Rachel, if you look at this, your variable cost is at a dollar twenty, right? So yeah. if you look at this dollar fifty-six rate, a dollar that's already fuel too. Yeah. So you got fifty-six cents to cover that dollar twenty. All these OOs and inexperienced people that came out there, those are the guys setting this, or and women, those are the people setting these low rates because they're the ones that accept it, right? Spot rates are set by the lowest bidder, right? Sure, they are. And well, you know, and th- here's this is a good opportunity in a segue. So, what do you want to say to this hater right here, Charles Tomlin? He's a brokerage manager at a supply chain brokerage that will go unnamed. He said, "Ah, good old Freightways pushing their sensationalism. There is no great purge. Just small business owners who don't know how to successfully run their business. Get real." Um, what do you think? Not a very empathetic take by this uh, by this gentleman here. Who, as I, uh, it's hard for me not to notice here. It's his brokerage manager, so he is not out on his own actually running a uh, a small business. Yeah, and you know it's funny. The Great Purge quote. That's not me. That's something that uh, Chris Truck Chris Tucker, who's also a broker, although he does own his own uh, brokerage. He uh, is based in Kentucky, and he was the one who wrote on the. Um, he wrote on uh, on Facebook on the Rate Per Miles Masters group that there, we were entering quote a great purge in which uh, small trucking companies and small and brokerages would also go out of business amid this whole uh, this whole crash. And going off of what he said, you know, there's no purge. There's only people who don't know how to manage their business. I mean. With 195,000 new carriers, there are people who are new to the business and might not know how to run their own right. companies. So very you know, dismissive. Huh? Very, he was very dismissive. And Krista and Avery, she did not take kindly to it at all. She said, well, he works for DH, oh, oh sorry. Uh, he works for a company <laughs> as a manager. So maybe he just start his own logistics company and then tell us what's up. Just saying, Charles, you are not self-employed. In fact, uh, you don't even have to factor ORs for assets. So let's get real. She's saying uh, he doesn't even have the perspective to make that claim. Yeah. Well, Rachel. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, he, he, you're right. He's like dismissive, but I mean, and he's saying there's no purge, but there is yes. a purge absolutely going on. Who's causing that purge and who caused it to come? And we can argue about that all day long and what the factors are that are going on. But there are honest, hardworking people that are getting crushed right now because of the situation. Okay, well then before we end this segment, Rachel, can you tell us if you are a truck driver now, you're a little bit concerned, you uh, maybe have a high note on equipment because you got it. Um, in 2020 or in 2021, should you be should you sell your equipment right now and go and shelter with a small carrier or a large carrier? Or mega, I, I mean, a mega carrier. Yeah. I'm not the person to ever give anyone business advice as I've never run my own business. But I would say right now, used truck prices are still pretty high. Uh, they're coming down, but they are still pretty high. I would consider, you know, cashing out what I can and you know, perhaps finding employment elsewhere. I think that um, I have gotten emails from drivers who have already done that, who have sold off their trucks, made a little, maybe even made a little bit of profit, and now they're going into a trucking company or even you know investing their money somewhere else. So um, I think it, I think if I had a big payment to make on a piece of equipment, I would consider uh, you know finding finding other options for how to how to offload that. 
There we go. I think it depends on where you're at, right? I mean, you might be in a position where you can maybe wait it out for a year or two and get the fasty out. Yeah, depends I mean, it's, it's like any type of advice. Yeah. It really is circumstantial. It depends on where it, you're at with your business and yeah. how comfortable you feel. Really ultimately, is. you got to make that decision uh, on your own. Yeah, I, I would advise people to success, to uh, seek out somebody who knows what they're doing to get their advice. <laughs> I'd advise you to go to the uh, wheel. Oh, that's, right. that's great <laughs> advice. Got it here, my friend. <laughs> All right, Rachel. What would be a good sign that the early 2000s are coming back into style? Mm. Well, I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday on this exact topic, but um, I think that exercise trends are a really fun way to see what's going on with, uh, you know, the broader culture. And I tweeted about this yesterday. If we saw Billy Banks tie bow come back into the into the arena. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say, okay, the 2000s are officially back. But right now, it's just all about Peloton and, um, yeah. you know... The, where we need, we need some of, we need some of the the Tybo coming back. You need like, like Horton, the, the Tony Horton with P90X, right? Was that early? 2000s? I mean, for me, it would be Big Mouth Billy Bass. That would really be the indicator. You don't Big understand how Billy many Big Bass. Mouth Billy Basses yeah. were sold between That's like right. 1999 and 2003. People just listening to Lincoln Park <laughs> and uh, and Limp Bizkit and listening to their Big. It was a wild time. Kids, who you're a little young for this. You might not know out there, but uh, if if you're a little older like uh, myself and this gentleman, we yeah. went through it, man. We had uh, Pogs and Big Mouth Billy Basses and Jenko jeans on and well, I didn't go yeah. with the Jenko jeans oh, okay. but yeah I watched them and went this is you, you could smuggle Rachel into a concert with a pair of Jenko jeans uh, isn't that what they're like used for right in the legs isn't that yeah. what they're used for yeah and like a big and then the other like like a big <laughs> bottle of whiskey <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's awesome we need skate for sure Skate, that, that's yeah. when I'll know the Skateboards? Well, skate or die. I mean, skateboard is still pretty big. Right? Anthony Smith big. rides his into work every, every day. Every single day. Every single every day, Rachel. day. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for your time today. Modes comes out, I believe, tomorrow. So go over to FreightWaves.com or Google FreightWaves. Rachel yeah. Premack, sign up for Modes. Get it for her. Modes. Get it in your inbox and all of that good stuff. Rachel, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank Ready. you. Rock right, a couple on. headlines to get to before we go to Scott. Let's hit them real quick. All right. Do we ever learn in this business? Talking no. about cyclical cycles of freight, it's because it's, it's, it's driven by human behavior. Container ship building spree, not over. New orders still rising. That's right. Greg Miller reports the price of new build container ships, they keep rising. Yet liner operators and ship-owning <laughs> companies keep placing more orders Get at Asian yards, guaranteeing an even larger deluge of new vessels between 2023 and 2025. Capacity of new orders reached 27.9% of, wow. of, of on-the-water capacity according to Alpha Liner, that ratio is a mere 8.2% at the beginning of October, 2020. Wow. That's a big difference. So the last last week, so last week, 13 more container ships were ordered, bringing the total to a nearly to a year high of 239. Stiefel, uh shipping analyst Ben Nolan wrote in a new research note, uh, "It's already the fifth largest year on record, and we're only halfway through it right now." And I love this part. He says, uh, "Nolan says uh, coming of the new, the new build wave, it's like watching an episode of The Office for the 20th time and still cringing as Michael Scott makes some embarrassing and ridiculous comment. You know it's coming, but you just can't look away." <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It takes two to three years to build a ship. So yeah. it's it's very hard to time these boom and bust cycles based upon 
when uh, sure. goods are going to come in. In fact, Alan Murphy is the CEO of Sea Intelligence. He said, he told American Shipper, I have continually said with the pandemic upswing in freight rates and all the money pouring in that the carriers would have certainly learned their lesson on overordering. I've said that a lot. I think at some point it's conceivable I might have to eat my word. So it's possible. Big turns out of him. Mm. Same thing. Same thing always happens <laughs> in this business. Just wait two years, everybody. Your thousand dollar, your thousand dollar rates, uh, Shanghai to. Yeah. Wait, well, you think they were delayed by uh, chip shortages like trucks were? Uh, maybe. A couple uh-huh. other quick ones. Trucker won uh, the lottery, Michigan lottery official, 48 truck driver. He's played scratch tickets all of the time. He uh, finally hit on one. He got a million dollars. He thought it was a joke. Uncle Andy, hey, one day it could be you too. Could be. And Massachusetts is very annoying because people will stand in line forever. Oh, I hate it when people do that. I run into people like that sometimes. I'll take one of those and one of these and maybe, well, maybe no. Anyway. And there's a big story on BackTheTruckUp.com. C.H. Robinson rejected by the Supreme Court of the United States. This, this, uh, This opens the doors for some negligence claims that can come through. There was one that was brought against the broker. Go to BackTheTruckUp.com to get the full details on that one. In the meantime, we got to go to Scott Cornell, transportation lead and crime theft specialist at Travelers. Long weekend coming up. Some of those trends that long weekends have are thefts and those kind of things, Michael Vincent. That's right. Perfect timing to have Scott Cornell on. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Hey guys, always good to be back with you. How you doing? We're doing, uh, doing we're great. doing really well. Um, it's like I'm trying to stay focused and in the game because next week I have Monday and Wednesday off. So it's like let's just get through this week, put it all on the table, Scott, and then we'll take off next <laughs> week. <laughs> hey, it's always nice to have you back though. So let's get to it. Tell us some of the trends that you have been seeing out there on the roads. Well, there's it's no surprise, right? There's a lot going on, um, you know, all across the supply chain. So, you know, we flashed back a little bit to last year. You know, we were really experiencing, you know, kind of a lack of capacity. Demand was high. There wasn't enough trucks to move everything. Supply chain was struggling to keep up. Uh, there were plenty of shortages and trucking couldn't find enough, you know, capacity to really meet the demand. And that drove a few things, right? We saw higher theft trends continue into 2021, and now even into 2022. We'll talk a little bit in more detail about that. We saw a decent amount of truck fires develop as companies were, you know, trying to keep the equipment rolling and on the roads and keep up the demand. We saw freight rates go up, you know, in part, obviously, because of fuel prices, but also simply based on demand and capacity. So there's, there's a lot going on. There certainly is. So uh, how have things really changed if we've gone from 21 into 22? Things are better, right? <laughs> things are better. I think I think we saw a little bit of a slowdown, meaning the capacity seems to be matching up a little bit better. It's not as bad as it was. But I think it's inconsistent. You know, what we're seeing is it depends on what your role is, what you're moving, where you're moving it. And, you know, you might have enough capacity. You may still be a bit behind but it definitely seems like it's improved. Uh, yes. We saw the theft of electronics really carry over from 2021 into 2022. Um, and we're seeing some other shifts in that. We saw a lot of fluctuation in value, uh, terminal and warehouse storage. Um, you know, we saw the use of overflow lots for companies that mm-hmm. were you know, trying to get the stuff moving, but really couldn't find the capacity at the time. So we saw that, and that makes some organizational challenges for those who had to do that. We saw shifting of uh, ports, right? We saw companies try to spread that out from West Coast to East Coast ports, and logically that requires a lot of shift of assets and process and procedures and all the mechanics that go behind that. So very busy, 
but it, you know, it does show that flexibility that the supply chain has, that resiliency that it has. Yeah, and Scott, a lot of those things you just mentioned, they were symptoms, right, of the challenges that were being faced in supply chain, the disruptions. What is going on with supply chain disruptions right now? Any new trends li- trend lines that you've seen develop? Uh, not a ton of anything new, but really, you know, the stuff that we've been hearing and I think the ability for the supply chain to get a good grip on that and start to get some of that stuff ironed out. I think we're seeing some of the wrinkles get ironed out and some of that. I, I think, you know, we may see a little bit of a pendulum swing. In other words, we might see, you know, more trucks uh, than, than there is freight to move for a little while. You know, we're hearing some of that. But again, that to me is going to be inconsistent. I think it's going to be based on what you're hauling and where you're hauling it. Uh, you know, we'll see how that works out. I think we're seeing, uh, of course, the driver shortage continues. We hear a lot about that. We see companies really working to try and figure out ways to not only recruit drivers, but good driver retention plans. What benefits can they give the drivers? We've seen some companies actually change the way they move in order to give drivers more home time, hoping that that works with retention. We, and we mentioned earlier, you know, we have seen the truck fires continue. I know you spoke with Adam from our fire team uh, a few calls back, and he talked about that. But the fires can be a consequence of really trying to push that equipment, keep up with the demand. And companies are working hard to keep up with that. They can have the best laid plans. <clears throat> they can be doing maintenance. They can be doing all those things. But when you're pushing the equipment hard, sometimes that's just part of it. Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. But uh, so what impacts are you seeing, on, you know, today's increases in inflation? What impacts are you seeing that have on trucking today? Well, certainly, you know, if you have a rollover or a theft now, the value of the cargo that's in the truck is going to be, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent more expensive over last year. Uh, So when you're looking at that, what do your contracts say? What values are you going to be held to uh, if you have that kind of a loss? Uh, Do you have the right coverages? Do you have enough coverage? Um, do you have the correct limits on your on your customers' goods? Warehouse storage limits should also go up as well, and that's something you really should call your insurance agent and discuss whether you have exactly what you need for the current and coming environment and, and the and the increased expenses and values that you're going to see in the commodities that you're moving or that you're warehousing. Uh, another point to consider is the value of the trucks have gone up, and I've heard you talk about that. The used truck prices have soared. Uh, you know, at some point they were record-breaking highs due to supply chain issues, uh, and, there, and there was limited availability as well. So we're seeing that start to level out a bit. Uh, so that's something worth keeping an eye on. But it's not going down. Uh, you know, all, all all four classes, you know, or all classes four through eight have been affected. Prices are expected to remain elevated for a while. Uh, you know, a total loss accident could cause a devastating blow uh, to your expense, to your bottom line. Uh, you know, if you don't have your stated values right, your claim payment is likely either to be the stated value on your policy or the actual cash value, ACV. And if you haven't updated the values on your trucks, your claim payment may not cover the entire cost to replace your truck. So let's say you had a truck in 2021 and you had the value of 52000 Well, right now that, that could be almost double. So if you haven't updated those values and you have a claim, you could end up out of pocket for the other half. So... A lot of things to keep an eye on, for sure. So, Scott, what's going on? You know, we got thieves don't take long weekends off. Fourth of July coming up. What trends are you seeing uh, happening with theft? 
the thieves love the long holiday weekends. We've, we've talked about that before. It gives them more time to disappear with the cargo. So it's definitely something, if you're moving freight, you need to keep an eye on that. You need to be prepared for the long weekends. Uh, theft going forward, you know, this month alone, CargoNet says they're seeing roughly a 25% increase so far. And we've seen those, those higher theft numbers keep up uh, since the 2020, you know, the high year in 2020. It's dropped off a little bit in 2021 and 2022, but now, you know, now we're seeing those numbers go back up. Uh, we've seen an uptick in cars being stolen from car carriers. We've seen, um, uh, you know, move from electronics, which carried into 2021. Uh, now they're going to start to target building supplies. We've seen that, especially in Texas. We're coming up on storm season. And so they'll start to target those supplies that can be used to recover from storms and natural disasters. And we're slowly seeing a shift back to household goods. And I think that that will be followed by a slow shifting back to food and beverage, which was, you know, the number one stolen commodity before the pandemic. And I think, you know, barring any unforeseen uh, things, we'll see that shift slowly back as well. Another great point, especially with food costs escalating. I mean, yeah. everything's going up in price with food costs escalating. I mean, Absolutely. it's a pretty, pretty essential thing that theft. Uh, yeah. I, can, I can see the interest in, in theft. Scott, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, before we let you go, we did spin the wheel of stupid questions today. Would you like to answer uh, the question of the day? Mm, I didn't hear it, but I, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll, I'll see what it is. I think you'll have a good answer. What would be a good sign that the early 2000s are coming back in style? The early 2000s are coming back in style. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer for you on that. I'm not a style guy. I'm a jeans and t-shirt <laughs> guy. So I'm probably not the right guy to ask that. For. I, I'm with you, man. I I I, I agree with him. 100%. I thought the relaunch of the XFL was the sign of it. Oh, that's a, that's you an know, excellent. Well, point. that's a good sign. But you know, the beauty of being a jeans and t-shirt guy is, is, are you really ever out of style? That is true. That is true. Black yeah. Jeans, if you're you know, never in style, can you go out of style? That's a good point. Yeah, you can. Scott, thank you. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much. Have a great holiday weekend. Have a great weekend, guys. Peace. All right. With fully furnished state-of-the-art repair trucks and a full array of roadside tools, you can expect the safest, fastest, and most painless response from your fleet from Love's Truck Care and Speedco. To learn more about their roadside assistance, why don't you tell them, dude? Hey, go to loves.com immediately after the show. All right. Let's bring up Mr. Sal Mercagliano, Ph.D., Chair, Department of History, Criminal Justice, and Political Science at Campbell University. So wordy. You guys are always so wordy at these universities. I know, and it's like they get paid by the syllabus. I told them to just say maritime historian. I was fine with that and everything. And that's that's all I asked for. I, I yeah. don't ask for anything more. I'm a simple man, guys. A simple man. So where are you go? You look you look like you're in a lush environment in, in the house. You keep a nice habitat for yourself. I, I'm in my home office. I'm trying to up my room raider, and so some of those room raider guys have plants. I went for the full palm tree and everything like that. So I went for that. And I've been pondering since yesterday what my better position would be is stuck in a van with Justin and Rooster or on a par- on a bus bench between Ryan Peterson and John Conrad. And I can't figure <laughs> out which one's the better one of the two. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you you ended up in the van with us here now, so uh, we got that going for us. I love it. Sally, it is good seeing you as always. Uh, I got to ask you something, though, and this was uh, Michael Vince and I were talking about this before we went on air, and it sounds like... You know, in wrestling, the Undertaker he hates cucumbers. You, in maritime, in real life, you hate giant flags. Where did the phobia come from? 
I think I think the sign of the giant flags is overcompensating. I, I think I think if you're if you're flying a giant flag after <laughs> now, listen, the Navy does this all the time, and it's great. You know, come back from an end of a deployment, eight months at sea, you fly the flag. If you go out for a day and come back in, is the giant flag really necessary? Mm. I mean, you're just out for a day. And, yeah. and so, you know, there's a question for me about that and everything. I love big flags. Don't get me wrong. I like big boats, too. That's where Rachel and I differ. Yeah. But, I mean, you also are seen, you know, pulling your 1972 LeSabre into your garage. And every time you come back, you touch up all the rust spots that are on it, too. What's with your is there more to the the, the rust on the side of a Navy vessel than just the cosmetics? Well, I mean, it all goes to preservation and, and appearance. The question is, do you want your ship looking good? Is is it not just a matter of sailing into a port, but how you appear? And that's been an ongoing issue with the U.S. Navy due to, you know, manning restraints and environmental issues. It gets very difficult to preserve vessels these days. And so how they viewed and how, you know, the question is, is it, is it hard power or soft power? And if you come into a port with a rusty ship and you're the U.S. Navy, it just doesn't look as appealing and as powerful. Now, Sal, how immersive do you get when you are maritime historianing, when you are learning about these things? Like, have you ever read a barnacle? Have you ever gone down to the Panama Canal and let mosquitoes bite you until you got yellow fever? Any of that ever happened? <laughs> well, you know, as a cadet, I went through the Panama Canal. My very first job given to me by the master told me he was going to be on the bridge during the entire transit. My entire job while going through the Panama Canal was to swat mosquitoes that were coming in through the bridgeway. So, you know, that that's basically the extent of uh, of that. No, I, I mean, maritime historian, one of the great things about maritime historians is it links to a little bit of everything. I mean, everything is connected by the sea. And so what a maritime historian gets to do in my, I never heard it used as a verb. I may have to start using it now, Duner, as a verb. So when I'm historianizing, when I'm historying, uh, you know, one of the things you get to do is touch on a lot of things. And that's one of the things that's propelled me onto the show with you guys and doing a lot of uh, uh, discussions about maritime policy is, is how does the past influence the present and what's going on for the, the future? One of the things historians do is look at the big picture. A lot of, you know, economists and even transportation people look at very narrow lanes, whereas historians look at the big, broad swath of history and images and try to digest it. So, Sal, from the historia, uh, historianizing uh, uh, aspect, did you see the, the deepest shipwreck was uh, discovered just the other, the other day over there, the, the Navy ship, the Billy J, I think it was, or something like that? No, Sa Samuel B. Roberts. Samuel B. J. Roberts, right. Right. If you ever want to read a, a great uh, book by a late uh, historian by the name of uh, uh, Greg uh, Hornfisher, he wrote a book uh, called The Last Stand of the Tin Can Sailors, which talks about the U.S. Navy at the Battle of Leyte Gulf in October of 1944. And this ship, specifically the Samuel B. Roberts, a small little destroyer escort, went up against the Japanese fleet. An amazing story. And, and that wreck is just absolutely unbelievable. One of the great things that's been happening over the past couple of decades now is really the, the the precision finding of ocean wrecks on the on the ocean's floor and this as you mentioned is the deepest wreck ever found it's right there just east of the philippines and a, an amazing vessel there, there was a, a namesake of that vessel samuel b roberts uh, later on that hit a mine in the persian gulf in the 1980s very very similar story was saved uh the first one wasn't it was lost in the battle of Leyte gulf just a, absolutely incredible we learn a lot from the archaeology. One of the things that historians are really embracing is nautical archaeology is where I got my master's in and how you use the, uh, the wrecks and the, uh, uh, the imagery to talk about how the vessels were lost.
Wow. You know, that ship took out at a carrier before it went down and lit another destroyer on fire, I think. right? It took out like two vessels before it went down. So I got a question for you I'm curious about. We actually wrote like real questions and we threw them all out because we got curious about like your LinkedIn (laughs) and your discussions stuff. So we threw those all out and now we have other ones. So what, what should one know before giving a lecture on a cruise ship? It's a good one. Like that one. Uh, before going on a cruise, well, obviously, number one, you you always want to know kind of who your audience is. And so obviously you come up with a topic, but you have to know the audience and, and who you're talking to. So I've actually done this. I've done some summers on cruise ships and giving uh, lectures. And so it's a lot different than talking to students because students don't care. But we, meanwhile, people who come to your lecture do care. And so what you really want to do is create a, a, a talk. For me, it's always very important to start off with a good story. History, you know, history has the word story in it. Also has the word high in it. I'm not sure what that means. But anyway, it has the word story in it. No, you're right. And, I never noticed that. You know what I also never noticed, Sal? I just I don't mean to interrupt, but I also noticed, and I don't know if you guys did out there, Obi-Wan Kenobi has Obi in it twice. I just never noticed that until wow. I, like, I really looked at it. Well, Anyways, it continue may- on, Sal. <laughs> what is this, drunk history with Sal? Yes. <laughs> it, it's, well, I'm not prepared it's for ADD that part. <laughs> It's ADHD history with Sal and Dooner. Sal, continue on, sir. So, no, I mean, what you want to do is get a good story because, you know, people remember the story. They don't remember the names, the dates, the dead people. They remember the story. And once you have a good story, a good narrative, then you can weave together the history behind it. And I think maritime history is great for that because you get great stories. You get ships. You get people. You get commerce. You get business. You get government. You get all these different elements that make up society. And so you weave it together. And I think that's always the best. And one of the best things about doing it on a cruise ship, for example, is the backdrop. You, You know, you've got the ocean. You're on a ship. You can talk about things that relate directly to it. And when you can go to a site and talk about it, one of the things I do in my Civil War class is bring them to a Civil War battlefield because then you have the backdrop and people understand it a little better. Wow, he had a great answer for that question. Yeah. Unbelievable. Smart so people I, always do. NASA, Sal, yeah. smart people always have good answers. <laughs> well, that's why it shocked me. That's why it shocked me that Sal would. <laughs> smart people didn't get smart without being curious, so they understand. And I appreciate that, Michael. I appreciate that greatly. (laughs) Thank you. So how realistic was it that Richard Dreyfuss could look at this wound and determine it was not a boating accident? Well, now you're getting into, uh, you know, basically uh, a marine... uh, Marina biology stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's out of your, that's out of your, perfect. your, your, uh, yeah, I, do boats. I don't do boats. I don't do sharks. I try my, my job when I was sailing and when I'm on boats is to avoid <laughs> sharks, you know, possible. stay out of the water. That's the key thing from draws. Stay out of the water. Stay. Now, what is, what is the best boat movie? Now it doesn't have to be like the most accurate. For example, Top Gun, you could consider that the best fighter pilot movie without, with understanding that it's, it's a movie and it's fun. Unless oh. you're that one reviewer in, in flying magazine who totally tore it apart. What was his, favorite iron eagle or i don't yeah he, he only likes iron eagle <laughs> gotcha. what do you think is the best boat movie well i, I mean it, it's that's a hard one to answer man there's so many of them out there i mean you gotta you gotta look at, at so many different elements you know it, in recent times you know i thought captain phillips was a good one because it captured you know one of the issues you know it wasn't maybe as exciting and dramatic as people wanted but it really caught uh that image of of what it was like uh, man, I just, that's a, you catch me on a tough one here. Cause I got so many movies in my head that I can run through and I want to avoid, uh, this, the stereotypical ones, uh, that are out there, you know, any movie that, that really portrays what it's like to be at sea and to capture it, I think is, is really important, you know, for, so from world war two, like an action in the North Atlantic with Humphrey Bogart, which mm. is a great one for me because it really captures the, the tale yeah. of the merchant mariners, uh, at sea. 
you know, any of the, the big dramatizations that you get of, of ocean voyages, uh, uh, sailing. So, you know, I, I, man, I have to think about that one. You caught me on that one. Maybe just, the amazing, the amazing Mr. Limpet. You could have just gone with Jaws. The amazing Mr. Limpet. You're going to go with Jaws? Yeah. Right, well, do, so how about an easier one? Do you idolize any captains or pirates from history, real or fictional? Wow. So, uh, you know, one of my big ones I, I always idolized when I was a kid was a was a Navy captain by the name of Stephen Decatur, young, uh, youngest man ever to be made a Navy captain, 25. And uh, I always loved the story of him because he started off as a commercial sailor, went into the Navy and just was absolutely just just no, there, there was no restraint from this man. He was to the point of recklessness in the end. And and he's one of those guys that I loved growing up. And then as I became a historian and I studied him more, I began to dislike him a little bit more. And it's, it's very similar with Columbus. You know, like you got to love Christopher Columbus. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, sails across the, the, the deep blue ocean. He discovers America and opens up the world. And then, you know, as a young, you know, navigator, Italian-American Columbus is, is a great guy to have. But there then you, you become go. a historian and realize – uh, he, he's really not that good. He was lost the entire time. He had no idea where he was. To his dying day, he believes he's off the coast of Asia. He goes to accidental, to accidental greatness. <laughs> right. He goes there four times. He's still he's on his dying deathbed. He's like, oh, I was off the coast of Asia. It's like, dude, you're you're wrong. You're the most wrong individual. You're the most lost individual in history. And hey, oh, it's by the way, better to be lucky. To, it's better to be lucky than good. Sometimes Tanner in the back says that he idol most idolizes Mariner from Waterworld, which was okay. uh, the character that my, Kevin Costner. You want to know my top three? I, well, I think he picked it because he drinks his own urine in that movie. <laughs> Only because he likes the taste, though. Mine are Hook, Crunch, uh, Lance Craven. <laughs> <laughs> mine are Hook, Crunch, and, and Sparrow. Um, let's lock, go. shock, and barrel from <laughs> Nightmare go. Before Christmas. Captain so, Crunch is the one I analyzed. So, well, so, sorry, all our we, we, are, we are informing we are informing the masses about supply chain issues right now. So you guys are doing a great job today. Congratulations. Yeah, we, 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 the whole first half hour of the show was that, so we got bored with that. So we just wanted to have fun with you. So before we let you go, we spun the wheel of stupid questions today, and it said, "What sign or trend would let you know that the two th early two thousands are back in style?" Oh, I, I would say that you start using your phone to actually make phone calls and not watch videos of the two of you tandem oh. uh, riding a bike together, which is going to stay with me for a long time, by the way. That's, <laughs> yeah, that that's was disturbing. That, that was a disturbing image. And the two-piece of you, Dooner, is that, again, that's, that's going to hurt many people around the world. <laughs> don't, don't copyright claim our videos, publishers out there, and I won't have to replace it with uh, disturbing images of the dude Teach and myself. Teach you a lesson. Yes, we will we'll come <laughs> right back people at you. people as a copyright people. Hey, Sal, throw your Twitter out there so people can uh, <laughs> jump on board. I love your account. I, I don't think Flexport put you in their top 55. It was a huge that's omission. Wrong. I'll have to that's talk to wrong. Ryan about that. That's wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. I mean, the Twitter account is at Mercogliano S, and then you can always follow me on YouTube with what's going on with shipping. Sal, thank you so much. We'll have you back on soon, and uh, you got to bring that Campbell. Yeah. Live. Come, come in studio next Live time. Live with some red sauce. Yeah. And I'll be sure to bone up on all the issues in global shipping because I know we won't get to them again. So that's, I, I'll be sure to be prepared. Yeah, and actually watch some boat movies. You have something top of mind <laughs> yeah. next time. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love you, Sal. Have a good one, guys. Take it easy. Take it easy, sir. He's awesome. <laughs> all right. Let's see what the guys over at BackTheTruckUp.com are up to. It is the Super Trucker, Justin Martin. It is the Rooster, James Bowen. Cock-a-doodle-doo, MFers. What's up? Hey, man. happy Wednesday. 
<laughs> digging through these articles, man. Wow. Let, dude, let's start with this. Let's start with a serious one before we oh, before we have some yeah. fun because this 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 uh, one's kind of been hanging over the show. This has been an awful story that broke. It was uh, San Antonio. We'll show you a Justin. We'll get you up to speed real quick with this this TikTok, and then we'll give you the latest details. Let's play the clip. You know, more updates on that tragedy in San Antonio. Uh, death tolls up to fifty now. Uh, the people that survived are lucky to be alive. Take a look at this trailer here with me. You know, one of the most appalling details about this whole situation is that's a reefer unit right there on the front of that trailer. That's another engine that blows cool air inside the trailer to keep produce, whatever you're hauling cold. So had their equipment been in working order, there's absolutely no reason why any of the people inside that trailer should have suffered and died the way they did. Uh, updates are saying that three people are in custody now. Hopefully this breaks open a wider investigation to a larger smuggling ring and more arrests are made. Wow. So Rooster, as we were preparing the show, we were uh, we were looking at some of the notes and the details that were coming in at the 11th hour about this. And we were seeing everything from like steak sauce used to cover up scent of bodies to a driver being on meth. Can you get us up to date on what ha- what happened in San Antonio and what authorities know at this point? Uh, big thing here to quote the infamous Romulan Senator Reenact from DS9. The trailers are fake. Mm. The trailer was actually cloned. There is no reefer unit. The company that they that has their identity, another case of a stolen identity. The that company's come forward, basically said they know nothing about this. They're working with authorities to try to straighten it out. But yeah, it was 103 that uh, Monday afternoon in San Antonio. Uh, the death toll has now climbed to 51. Unfortunately, uh, still going through more reports of the. Local Catholic priests have been going through the hospital. There's still people that are so dehydrated now. They still can't talk or open their eyes. Uh, Scum of the earth is the only terms I can use to describe these gentlemen. Uh, The driver, uh, Homero Zumarano, 45, has been taken into custody. He was found out in a nearby field. Uh, After the incident, police brought in every uh, canine tracking unit they could find, even uh, guys on horseback to ride the fields they found him uh highest scale meth he was taken to a nearby hospital he's still in a in a, in a daze as of tuesday night wow. uh new york post is reporting uh two other accomplices they were found the only real thing about that truck and trailer combination unfortunately was the plates they were able to track down the 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 house on the address of plates for uh, registered to two gentlemen been taken into custody currently charged with possessing firearms by individuals not residing in the u.s hmm. they are not currently charged with anything connected to to the human rights tragedy uh we're still looking in on that uh to go through so far 39 men and 12 women are involved in this case uh two sisters from guatemala were among the victims uh, 27 were Mexican nationals, seven were seven in total were Guatemalans, two Hondurans so far. That's wow. information coming from Mexico's so, foreign minister. Rooster, are, is, so it was, has it climbed from 51? It, last I heard was 51. Uh, was yeah. The yeah. Yeah, 51 so far. Hopefully this will be as far as it goes. To, 
local hospitals reporting that the patients are recovering. I bet slowly they were in severe dehydration. Yeah. Well, sure. Have uh, you ever been like people out here, listeners, if you've never been inside of a trailer, even on like a 70 oh, degree oh, day, oh, you have oh. a couple guys unloading a truck. It gets hot it really gets fast. It gets hot in each the nose of that bag baby. here. Each of us already makes a hundred Watts of, of heat just emitting yeah. from our body. You put 50, 52 people inside a trailer. It could be relatively cool outside and still get pretty hot inside that trailer. Not oh, to yeah. mention a, a very hot day out in San Antonio. And oxygen. What an awful story. Uh, the latest updates are up on backthetruckup.com. Uh, Justin, uh, what did you think of all this? Yeah, I kind of thought it was like a stolen truck, but no, it was stolen identity. They cloned the trailer. Uh, the guy that owns the trailer, it's like our trailer still sitting in the yard. Um, mm. It's not even a working yeah. unit on the front. I thought maybe it was just like something broke down and that's what caused the whole thing. But it was the truck itself. That broke down in this doesn't doesn't it make it even even worse in your mind that that was it wasn't a stolen truck because it it, it makes it more systemic and more thought out right oh, it, sure. like there's there's this whole setup plan to just keep doing this type of thing right it makes and they it, rolled right through an inspection station before they broke down so they, they could have been stopped right there by the police uh, it, yeah this truck has been going back and forth across the border for a while so yeah the Look, total amount of people that smuggled is uh, has probably won't be never be found very few people get caught the the first time that they're committing crimes anyway so i would and, and it's it's a big issue um other issues you have connected with let's let's move on from this one the story is yeah. is online it's an it's an awful story let's play a, a clip from your brand new podcast it's called back the truck up it's on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get podcasts it's by truckers for truckers let's hear a clip from the episode that's coming out tomorrow Trucking companies should get creative, right? We've had this problem with detention forever. It's never gone away, even during COVID, when everyone has been worried about supply chains and how come this stuff's not moving fast enough and X percentage of the United States trucking fleet is sitting at a dock somewhere. And the reason they're sitting at a dock somewhere is because it doesn't cost anybody any to pay the drivers of the trucks to sit there. So if, if you have this exemption removed and now by law... You must account for this time and for the value of the driver sitting on his ass not moving anything. Just maybe that can be used as leverage against shippers. You keep us sitting here. That piles up the hours. That means you have to pay overtime. That means the rate's going to be higher. Have to look forward to tomorrow morning when this episode comes out. Yeah, Gord... Uh... The overtime for Truckers Act has been kind of a pet project between Gordon and myself. We've been talking about this back and forth for years. Uh, what really opened my eyes was joining the Postal Service and being paid by the hour and getting overtime and realizing, oh, this has potential to change all kinds of things in the industry. Oh, really cool. So that'll yeah. come out tomorrow. Look up Back the Truck Up wherever yep. you get podcasts. It'll also be on Back the Truck Up. Dot com. Rooster, tell us about the newsletter. Newsletter just launched. If you have subscribed to it at backthetruckup.com, you've already received last week's in your inbox. New one comes out to today's Wednesday. It comes out today. Yeah, we're uh, finishing compiling it right now. Uh, basically going through the top headlines. Uh, I may sneak in some information off the San Antonio case into it. But, you know, we got the latest headlines. We have uh, Justin's TikTok of the week. We have, you know, the information from back the truck uh from what the truck throughout the week so yeah we got it runs all down all the latest news 
It runs out all the latest news, shows, trends, and happenings on Back the Truck Up. Go to backthetruckup.com, click that subscribe button, throw your email in there, and every Wednesday, you'll get that one inside your inbox. Let's take a look at another TikTok. We got fire. We got, uh, oh, yeah, it's the fireworks one. Let's look at this one. Sunday night, 4th of July, came early for commuters on 287 in North Jersey. Check this footage out. It looks really cool off in the distance, but this actually had the potential to be really, really bad. It was an old Dominion truck. You see these guys everywhere. They haul the little pup trailers. Oh, wow. The truck in this case had two trailers. First one was fireworks that caught fire. And the second one, he was hauling corrosive material. Now, you actually can haul combined hazardous materials as long as they're in two separate containers, uh, like in this case here. Fortunately, they were able to decouple the first one before the fire spread to the other trailer. Uh, this had the potential to be pretty bad. Well, look at this trailer here. I mean, it was pretty bad. The first trailer is just basically a hole in the ground. And here we can see all that's left of the uh, original trailer. Wow. Well, I myself hauled explosives for four years. Uh, anytime you see these guys rolling down the road and they've got that orange placard, 1.1 to 1.4, give them space because you never know what could happen. Wow, you ever have anything like that happen to you when you were hauling explosives, Just, I mean, fireworks especially, because you're talking about, like, an entire trailer of, of small things that are all designed to ignite relatively easily. And to go distance before to they go explode, distance, too, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, 1.4, uh, that's usually when you start seeing, like, the mass quantities. It, anytime you see somebody with, like, 1.1 to 1.2, you're only going to see a couple dozen pounds inside the box. So but the, the potential to go up, but not like you see with fireworks, because that stuff will just, if it goes, it'll go and go and go for hours. Rooster, how many things are you going to blow up this 4th of July? Uh, I don't know. We got a nice little stack in the closet all ready to go, but hopefully not a trailer load. How much do you spend on fireworks for the season? Because some people are like, some people are like really into it. We'll spend thousands. Oh, not that bad. Something goes... <laughs> Goes up in the air, pops, looks pretty. That's all I'm wanting to see. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> well, how about, hey, we got a clip from uh, Thomas Healy. They just had an announcement to make, and we'll get some more info from Rooster out of what's going on. Let's play Thomas. I'm excited to share today our announcement around collaborating with Cummins in order to bring our Hypertruck ERX powertrain to the market. Uh, through this announcement, we've shared that we are utilizing the Cummins natural gas engine as the power plant on board the vehicle that's going to be charging the battery pack. And through this, we're also going to be working with Cummins in order to obtain the required CARB certifications needed to allow fleets and OEMs to be able to qualify for ZEB credits, both with the ACF and ACT mandates coming out by CARB. So it's a very strong announcement for Hylion. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and we're happy to jump on the phone or share more through email. Thank you. Rooster, is this is this big news for for a Hylion? And I noticed today there's an update to this that NFI put some orders mm -hmm. in. Yeah, this is actually big news. Uh, Cummins was actually one of their competitors with the Hylion Hybrid. Now that they're formed this partnership, Cummins has actually given them a little more street cred that you know Hylion's going to be a, a popular product. Uh, there's some connectivity. Uh, Cummins is trying to buy out Meritor, which is a you know, big name uh, components manufacturer, but a lot of people don't know is you know, a lot of people at Highline Highline actually came from Meritor, so there is a little bit of uh, you know handshake you know familiar familiarity with the, these guys. Uh, also, with the update this morning, uh, NFI Industries did place an order for uh, ten units. 
we are kind of watching this, you know, a lot we're respecting a lot more people to take Hylian up on their offers and buy production slots now that they got a very big name brand backing them. Always not helps, only man. for this the it always helps. That brings a lot of oh, credibility. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the uh, the precursors. Now, we, we have about a minute and 12 seconds left. So let me get to this one really quick, because I had a question for you guys about showers and truck drivers, because a man in Indiana, <laughs> an Iowa man, was arrested in northern Indiana because he spent four hour, over four hours in the shower. <laughs> they were banging on the door. They were telling him to get the hell out of the shower, and he refused to do it. So they arrested him. Now, I've heard some drivers even wash their dishes in the shower. What's the but longest you were ever yeah. taking a shower at a truck stop, Rooster? Uh. Well, one, I don't park in the fuel aisle, and I don't know if this guy was in four <laughs> hours in the fuel aisle, but it kind of might, I would not be surprised. But, you know, uh, you know, cleaning the pots and pans, you know, about an hour. Well, you know, I've, never get, I've never been kicked out. How about you, Justin? Yeah, about an hour. You know, you got to get your money's worth. Oh, wow, okay. All right. What are you wow. like at home? What are you? I'm like a 10 minute or five minutes. Oh, minute. yeah, five minutes top. I'm in, I'm out. Yeah, I want to be out and, and, and yeah, out yeah, yeah. And about again. All right, find back the truck up.com to get all these articles we talked about go to back the truck our twitter to get the latest news follow rooster btu follow super trucker btu follow timothy dooner d-o-o-n-e-r and follow vincent the dude don't be a stranger and tell them how to be hey peace and love spread it everywhere